Round one, fight. Heroes never die. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Power, sex, sex, power. They both come down to one thing. Hungry Gamers. Hello, 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 and welcome everybody to the 292nd episode of the Hungry Gamers podcast. We're powered by Apeat.net and those sexy legends over at Audio Technica. I'm your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan8bit. And joining me as is tradition, the super heist to my super Jesus. You can find it on them socials at Miss Allie Hart. Miss Allie Hart, how the bloody hell are you? I am bloody great after that reference. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very curious to know what percentage of our listeners will understand what we are uh, referencing there. I hope a lot of them go, yes, I know those things and uh, send us a message and, and say how great and witty that was, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. It'll be a good percentage of pretty much everyone that I questioned in the previous week about who the hell was super heist. Um, but yeah, good old Aussie rock bands of our time. Yeah, we were having a having a discussion during the week about uh the the bands of yesteryear and some mm. of our favorites or some that were big for at least twelve seconds in the sort of early two thousands and yeah. uh yeah, Super Heist was one that came up. Yeah. It's and it's strange whenever we go back and visit to see what they're up to. Um, you found out that Super Heist is coming out with a new album. Yeah, get is... excited. Heist fans, yeah. I guess you might call them. Heisties. Heisties. <laughs> Super H's, I don't know, something. But uh, yeah, there's a new album getting done right now and I think it's actually scheduled to release later this year. So uh, Check that out. Let's see what kind of uh, momentum and noise that makes in the industry when it drops. Um, yeah, it's it's awesome to see these bands still having a crack, but uh, let's yeah. see if they're still relevant. <laughs> it's only time will tell. Time will indeed tell and... Um, yeah, we're we're doing our best to maintain relevancy here at uh, THG. We've got a we've got a nice jam packed episode of gaming and pop culture related news, uh, mm. reviews, infotainment, and everything else in between. There, where should we start things off, Miss Hart? Like, uh, I know we've dabbled and both played a little bit of Fortnite. We don't really need to talk much about no. that. It's it's the same old, same old. Still a good old time. I'm not going to uh, besmirch the good name of Fortnite. We're a pro Fortnite podcast these days. Yeah. But where should we go from here? Um, I'll just quickly dabble on the only other game that I've played this week, which is uh, Escape Academy. Uh, mm -hmm. It's currently attached to Xbox Game Pass. So uh, a game that requires like puzzle solving and such usually piques my interest. And I've seen a few people on social media kind of hype up this game. So I thought I would give it a quick dabble. Um, so far, so good. Um, it's incredible how quickly I go from, man, I'm fucking stupid to, oh, no, duh. <laughs> um, you know, no, duh. That's <laughs> no something duh. I haven't heard in a long time. No, duh. Um, show my age. Uh, I think that's one of Super Heist's new songs on the new album. Actually, it's called No Duh, so it's going to be a ripper. <laughs> ripper. There we go. There's another <laughs> one. <laughs> Let's age ourselves in under fucking a minute. Sorry, uh, you beauty. Uh, so <laughs> Escape Academy is it's good. Um, I haven't finished it or you know even gone close to finishing it. However, um, I like essentially what they're establishing. So it it it's a nod to the you know escape rooms that have you know I don't know if they're still popular nowadays. I know that 
they're still around, but I don't think they're as, um, well, obviously uh, after the pandemic, they're probably not as uh, frequent in the cities as they used to be. Um, you know, locking up people in a small room probably isn't as um, popular nowadays. But yeah, so it's escape rooms, putting people into a room, solving puzzles so they can then move on to the next room or escape the room essentially. Um, so it's a game where you're placed into rooms and situations where you kind of have to grab clues, solve the clues, then you can proceed to move on to the next level. Uh, there is a narrative attached to it, but like completely honest, like the base basics of it is is that that it is the Escape Academy and they're looking for the you know elite escape artists and you know you're being tested and such. So all I care about is using my brain. Uh, while <laughs> while it's still around, um, and it's good. I I don't think the so far I don't think the the difficulty hurdle is too high. I think it. I have yet to hit a hit the hint button, which is which is there if you need it. Um, so I have yet to use it. So um, I for, for the most part I think I've done relatively well with solving the puzzles, and they haven't been overly complex. But it's a good little brain tweet. T- brain teaser and you can actually play it as multiplayer as well i've just oh, been nice. going solo but um yeah you can play multiplayer with it as well so i can see why it's been um pretty well received i, th- I think everyone you know kind of working together for a you know mutual goal and solving puzzles together and getting information across on a multiplayer level is always fun and interesting um but yeah so it's escape academy it's on game pass um i believe it's on other you know um it's on other consoles and PC as well. So um, if, if you know, puzzle games are kind of your thing, probably look into it. Um, it's a more cartoony version, I guess, of like um, the game The Room, which is also mm-hmm. kind of like about solving puzzles and being able to unlock one puzzle to move on to the next. So, yeah, use your noggin if you like. Use your noggin. And then if you wanted to keep using your noggin and maybe pivot into something a little bit more scary, but also heavily uh, influenced on puzzles and using that gray matter to survive, I uh, I jumped into Madison this you week, a uh, game we mentioned last last episode. It's, it's a debut title by the Argentinian studio Bloodiest Games. So Ooh. this game was only... Only announced last year at Gamescom, so it's only sort of been on people's collective radars for, you know, less than twelve months or so, and it's out now. And um, boy, howdy, is this game scary? <laughs> there is there is a good amount of jump in this game. Like, uh, so as far as games you want to compare this to, PT immediately comes to mind. Yeah. Obviously, the the playable teaser that uh, I think it was about eight years or so ago on the PlayStation 4 was initially announced to, to much hype and then obviously removed and everything else that continues to go on with that story. Mm-hmm. But then other things like um, Fatal Frame is another one that we can sort of throw it towards where the premise of this game, you're, you're, playing, you're playing this character, Luca. The game is uh, set in first person and you, you awaken and you're this prisoner in a dark room and you're hearing your, your father screaming from, from a room beyond where you are and you're just trying to work out how to get out, how to find your family and, uh, you know, just survive this 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 horrific sort of situation. And as you navigate your way through, I guess, the, the family home, I guess you could say, you're starting to see that it's not 
what it's usually meant to be like there's symbols of the occult everywhere it's all real dimly lit and eerie and foreboding and and just very very heebie-jeebie inducing like uh the old hairs on your neck will stand up often and uh you're pretty regularly uh almost permanently in that way i found there was times where i had some big old jumps on the couch because this game be scary uh this game be tense and you're using the like i guess the, the main mechanic of this game is you know, akin to something like Fatal Frame, the the device that Luca is using predominantly is an old uh, old sort of Polaroid camera, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you're using this camera to take photos of things in the environment which you can't see with the human eye, but with using this, I guess, this mysterious or potential magical camera, it, it'll reveal clues to solve these these puzzles and give you combinations and codes and things like that. But uh, as as you're making your way through the through this house and exploring things uh very gruesome very nightmare fuely there is some really hell beasty creatures and monsters that that want your skin and want your soul and combining that with uh audio recordings you find that are uh, expanding to the story and really sort of uh unveiling this horror and just the the nightmares that are running rampant in this place it really just keeps you on edge because you're sort of defenseless you don't feel like this isn't a doom where you're pushing forward and you've got a you know an army of weapons on your back that you can kill everything. You're you're trying to survive. You're trying to meekly make your way around this really really scary ass horror house and find out what's going on with your family. Using the damn camera is always eerie. Like you know, like you're a Fatal Frame fan. Yeah. Whipping that camera up and seeing these these spirits and monsters suddenly appear in front of you or having to fight them with the camera is is not a good thing because it's like you've got to build yourself up to look through that lens and then you're never going to be completely sure what's greeting you on the other side. So there's always just that sense of unease and I just felt like I'm, I haven't finished it yet. It's... Uh, from what I'm understanding, I think it's about a 10-ish hour runtime. Yeah. I'm about four hours in and I'm really, really enjoying it. But uh, yeah, I've done it in two two-hour blocks so far. And uh, yeah, I've felt very uncomfortable during those two two-hour blocks. And it's it's a bit of a surprise hit. Like debut game, mm-hmm. really, really well-reviewed. Uh, it's getting, you know, seven and a half to uh, an up depending on the outlet. So it's uh, really, really positively received in the in the marketplace like it's um a 9.6 user score on metacritic so uh users or, or players of the game have been really digging it and i'm excited to see where and what's happening with this house like as you're trying to find your family and solve what's going on there's sort of this uh gory ritual like this cult based ritual that you're getting pushed to to complete uh so you sort of got evil pulling and pushing from one side and then you trying to sort of escape and and uncover what's happened to your family and why this ceremony is around and what's attached to your bloodlines and your lineage and and then it's just scary as shit like if you played outlast if you played fatal frame if you played pt you'll get that flavor the second you jump into madison and then having that little camera mechanic in there as well just puts a nice little wrinkle on it and It'd be scary, Miss Hart. I am very scared. I'm going to try and finish it between now and next episode, but um, it's been a pleasant hit. It's It's been one of the freshest horror games I've played in a long while, and it's it's been a nice break in between the copious amounts of anime and uh, Fortnite that I've been doing. 
full disclosure, I, I've actually watched a playthrough of this. Oh, nice. Um, after mention, after like us kind of mentioning it last week, um, I'm I have my horror YouTubers that I watch. Um, John Wolf being my main one. And um, he recently uploaded his playthrough of it. I'm like, good, I don't have to play it and scare myself. Um, someone else can do it for me. And yeah, the game is pretty incredible. Um, the demo actually was put out on PC, I believe, in 2017. It was pretty, pretty a, a long time ago, but the demo was incredibly short. And from what people have said, it's actually still what you played is still in the game. But then seeing how much the game has evolved and all the new mechanics that they've added, um, I like the camera thing, obviously being a fan of Fatal Frame. Um, I, I also like the uh, flickering of the Polaroid to reveal mm -hmm. what is actually kind of what was what's being shown or what, what you're missing. I think that that's just forcing the play to actually kind of like make it, you know, appear. And you're you're right. There's um atmospheric wise, it's they've done really well. There's obviously a lot of things where there's lurking in the dark, and then moments where um you are in complete darkness, and maybe you are using the flash or you're using other elements to kind of light your light your space. But um, there's like I'm not gonna spoil it because it is towards the end. But there is this one there's this one puzzle with with a sound with you know uh, with with music and after hearing it it is so creepy and it's perfect it is just so perfectly <laughs> creepy um it really hit a nerve and i just think it's really well done um i think any fan of like the kind of the 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 people usually call it a walking simulator horror but i think mm -hmm. they do the right amount of other elements of like you know incorporating the camera incorporating puzzles figuring stuff out that it doesn't feel so like linear like you there you have to solve things you have to kind of go back and forth and figure out what the what the puzzle is and i think overall the team's done really well with the game and it's good to see a game that's kind of snuck up from nowhere that not a lot of people kind of knew about and be successful do well and like get good reviews because um usually we only ever see horror titles coming from mainstream you know big mainstream um companies and they're the ones that usually get received well so it's nice to see like ones that are a little bit smaller kind of sneak up and do really well as well yeah it's it's certainly uh it was not on my radar at all until i sort of uh sort of popping around on the press releases and things the last few weeks so i remember seeing it uh i think maybe we might have talked about it briefly last year when it did get the full reveal but yeah it's it's been great like it's it's about 50 bucks australian so um i bought it from the the xbox marketplace or the the store and um yeah 50 bucks for 10-ish hours of of frights and eerie moments and things that will probably linger with you well after you've finished the game. I think that's, that's a, that's a fair investment. And yeah, for a debut studio to bring out a game that's got this much polish, but also this much just unease and focus on the goal, as far as delivering a game, that's going to make you feel very uncomfortable and scared and leave you with, with some imagery that's a bit unique to uh, to this genre is really great. So, yeah, Bloodiest Games has done really well and I haven't gotten to that part you've talked about yet, but I'm, I'm now very intrigued as to seeing what's going to uh, what's going to greet me this week and make me feel very, Let very scared. Let me know. I'm very curious. But it's great and it looks good. As you said, the, the, the use of sound in this game 
is really good, especially because it is so dimly lit and there is some areas where you are in darkness. So, so listening to what's just, just beyond that next room or just around the corner and creeping your way slowly forward and, and hearing things in the shadows, like it really plays on, on your paranoia and yeah. just the level of unease you get from it is great. So yeah, Madison is really, really enjoyable. Like it's weird to say a horror game is fun, but it's like, it's a different kind of fun. Like I'm having a good time with it, but I'm also feeling really scared. Yeah. It's, I, I could understand that you're also, you're kind of feeling rewarded fun. Like, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. So um, praise me for, for pushing through and, and, and fighting these demons. Because, You're better uh, than I lot. am. I, I didn't even play it. So. <laughs> All right. So, so shifting gears, uh, we should talk about what we've been watching. I know um, I, I sort of had a bit of a speak about Thor Love and Thunder last weekend, mm. but from what I see, you've uh, managed to go to the, the cinemas and check it out this past week as well. Yes. I was able to watch it um, in the past um, the weekend just after the podcast was recorded. Yeah, watch the first thing in the morning, have my coffee and watch the movie in reclined seats. And um, I've given it a good, like a review of it was good. So so listeners, that that is above fine. So fine sort of the the baseline, you'd say. Yeah. That's the, the pass fail point and fine, then yeah, good is fine, above that. Fine is like it passed. Like it, it, you know, like it barely passed, but it passed. Good is like... Yeah, like the reason why I'm giving it a good, and I'm gonna not, I'm try, gonna try not to spoil it. I don't think I will, but all I'm gonna say is, for me personally, there was a tonal shift point in the movie where I got bored, and it just it never, it never lifted up from that point on. And so, but then to to counter that, at the start, I loved, like I really, I was really enjoying it. I was laughing, I was smiling, I was having a great time. So then I've given it a, a good because I don't want the badness to outweigh the overall joy that I experienced in mm-hmm. one segment. So it, it kind of like melted in the middle and I, like great and then bad, it melted into the middle. So that's why I gave it a good. Yeah, there was just, there, there was some great moments and then there was just boring ass moments that I just could not care about. Um, One uh, of those being uh, Natalie Portman. I didn't know you disliked Natalie Portman so much until we talked earlier this morning. To say that I dislike her, like, like I'm sure she's a lovely person and she's, you know, I'm sure she's very sweet, but as her acting goes, I just don't really find it like phenomenal. I don't find it like she's a sell. I don't find a selling point. Like my, my biggest, biggest critique, I guess, of this movie is that, someone was trying to trying to trick anyone into thinking that those two characters between Thor and Thor Jane yeah, <laughs> Thor and Thor um were ever in love and were even still in love um there was absolutely no chemistry <laughs> none like but they did hold fingers oh my god they didn't hold hands they, they held fingers yeah give a shit um yeah like <laughs> That was that was like the most biggest joke on me, and and I question because I haven't seen the first like the very first two Thor movies. Like I haven't. Like this is the first time I've watched one movie where she was in it, I guess. And I'm like, even 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 with kind of like kind of I guess a montage, I still didn't believe that those two ever loved each other or even mattered to each other at all. It was just I was not sold on that chemistry at all um yeah so there's a lot of like things in there that just kind of brought me down and 
there's this moments of like weird character shifts like one minute someone's serious next minute they're goofy and i'm like that's not it's not blending well well with me so yeah yeah like um i agree with you and obviously we're not going to spoil anything here but just just sort of circling back to last week's conversation you can see that there was a lot of content cut out of this movie and obviously oh boy, we mentioned yeah. there's two hours worth on the on the cutting room floor and maybe it would have been less jarring with some of those emotional transitions where if they had a a little extra few minutes here or there or 30 seconds to, oh, no. to pad out that scene. No. I, I know you're very much like, no, <laughs> no that's it. Nothing com- where I'm like, me give me another 20, 30. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was, was enjoyable. You said it was, you said it was good. So it's above a fine. Well, I, I gave Just it the bit approved. Would you give it the eight? So it becomes eight bit approved. <sighs> <laughs> Maybe not listeners. Maybe not. I don't know. I it's I think like and it's not just me and it's not just you. It seems like based on the universe out there that the everyone is kind of mixed on their opinions on this movie. Like some people just hated it. <laughs> like really. Jono hated fell asleep it. in it. Huh? Jono fell asleep in it at the movies. Nice work, Jono. Uh sometimes yeah. the movies is a great place to catch up on sleep. Um <laughs> I remember falling asleep in one of the Fast and Furious movies. Like I woke up and next thing you know, The Rock was fighting someone else on a helicopter or some. I don't know. <laughs> it was weird. Um, but yeah, some people just didn't like the movie at all. So I think that it even got a good out of me is, yeah, it's, I'm, I think I think maybe that I'm being maybe too nice. I don't know. Then we've got other people who were saying it was the best movie of the franchise. So yeah yeah it's uh it's it's sort of attracting a lot of very diverse opinions and varied thought processes i i enjoyed it i thought it was was really good nowhere near as good as ragnarok but um there was a lot of good parts in it that that resonated with me and i'd recommend going to see and it's definitely bit approved uh apparently not eight bit approved but uh yeah one of one of us is in the camp just because i had some joy and i I like their romance. I watched the first, like I've watched all the Thor movies. First one's okay. Dark World, not very good. But they certainly build out that romance and that history between the two. So it becomes a little bit more believable in Love and Thunder. But I still get what you're saying. So I can agree with you there. But but give it a look. Um, something you should probably not give a look to. Uh, I, I binged all of the new Netflix Resident Evil series that uh, Zombie shuffled its way onto screens about yeah. 48 hours ago now and my heart hurts oh, no. his heart and not in a good way this uh i'm not a big fan of the mila jovovich uh live action films the resident evil ones the first one close to the source material after that it just goes in all <laughs> kinds of ways that it shouldn't have and yeah. this show if i'm if i'm gonna explain it in in a sentence it is Days of Our Lives with Zombies. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Like, the, the the guy behind it, Andrew Dabb, he's he's developed this show. He's He was one of the primary guys behind uh, Supernatural. Which, okay. Which, you know, it's, it's sort of, you know, not heavy in tone. So you can see a bit of that where it's almost like young adult drama, but then some horror elements thrown into it. Uh, the the biggest positive that I've got from this whole eight episode jaunt is Lance Reddick 
is fantastic. He's so committed. Always. He plays Albert Wesker, obviously, who's one of the primary antagonists of Resident Evil for, for decades. Yeah. So, so they've done a new spin on him, and I really like what they did with that. And Lance is committed, and he throws his all into this role. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, this show sucks. Like, Aww. it is not a good time. Uh, it's split between two time periods, so... Uh, the the plot spread out from 2022 and then it sort of jumps forward forward 14 years to, to 2036. You see um, Albert Wesker who's got got uh, two young two young daughters, uh, Jade and Billy. So you see them like moving to in air quotes New Raccoon City. So so they've moved from South Africa oh, to South Africa, sorry, where they've set up New Raccoon City. Uh, so so it takes and acknowledges a lot of the points from what happened in. Raccoon City and the situation happened in 96 and 98 and stuff mm. with the, the story from the, the original game. So there is some nods and some connective tissue there. Yeah. But then it just goes in a whole other direction. And, yeah, we, we've got, uh, yeah, this, this new Raccoon City set up over in South Africa. Drama ensues from there. Um, the, the zombies get out. The, the virus spreads everywhere. And then it's apparently like six six billion zombies around the world and a couple of hundred thousand humans still surviving in that time jump going ahead 14 years. And it's just, it's so cheaply done. Like some of the CGI and the camera work is so bad and it's laughable. Like there was moments in the last couple of episodes where they're sort of fighting on this island and they're cruising around on like inflatable little boats and stuff. And it, for some reason I kept thinking of like ship to shore like it felt like this was like an episode of Ship to Shore almost, where it's they like it's wish that kind they of scene. Had that theme song. They yeah, wish. and I'm like, where's where's Hermes? Is Hermes going to come in here and save the day and kill some zombies? Like, what's going on? Like, it felt so cheesy, and not in a good way. Like, it's trying to be serious and trying to nail this this big emotional payoff, and it doesn't nail any of it. Like, it is so rough. Seeing things like the the liquor and and some of the other hell beasts that are that are famous and synonymous with resident evil get some time on the screen in this awesome that was great hmm. but like the, the the way even just the zombies look annoyed me uh what they've done with the zombies where they've taken little liberties from the other games and just sprinkled them in there just for the sake of it just to try and get some cheap pops mm-hmm. was a bit rough uh there, there was a master of unlocking reference in there which actually made me laugh that was great and i sort of like had a little fist bump but that was about it like in the eight-ish hours of viewing time with this show. That was about the only time I had a had a good moment. Aww. And the ending of this this show ends on a big cliffhanger and it's alluding to a second season, knowing how ruthless Netflix is. I haven't seen sort of the current downloads for it if it is performing well on Netflix so far, but I doubt that they will do a second season if it's going to be more of this because this was not a good time for me. Somehow IGN rated this a 7 out of 10, and I'm like, were you fucking high? Maybe they were high, and that's why it was so bad it was good type of thing, because that 7 feels like it's about 4 points too high for me. Like, this is a this is a 3, and you know, probably a generous 3, because outside of Lance Reddick as Albert Wesker, there's not much to uh, get excited about or not much to uh, root for 
and uh, embrace in the Resident Evil Netflix adaptation, Miss Hardy. It is. It be a rough watch. Honestly, when coming from your mouth, you a devout fan to the Resident Evil franchise, as well as someone who sometimes unapologetically kind of gives things a bit of a, you know, a bit of a bump, a fair go, and you know, gives it a bit of time, even maybe things don't deserve it. If you're saying it's shit, then this must be shit. <laughs> like, like, to yeah, me, I think that that's all the most honest like review of something that I can get out of this and probably not waste my time too much. Um, I have to confirm though, is this, you know how like a lot of people were saying like the biggest critique before even watching it, a lot of people were saying that this just feels like a zombie movie and they just slapped the Resident Evil branding on it. Would you say that maybe those very like stone throw assumptions were actually correct? They're pretty close to the mark. Like outside of seeing like the umbrella logo in the in the show or them referencing uh, Raccoon City or referencing a few characters here or there or seeing a certain mm. enemy type and going, oh, yes, I remember fighting that in Resident Evil 2. I remember getting killed a lot of the times by this or whatever. Outside of that, there isn't a ton to really embrace from the Resident Evil lore. Like it is just a teen drama with some horror elements thrown in over the top. Like I, I saw a, I saw a synopsis for, um, for Riverdale the other day and how absurd that is. It feels like this could somehow be like the poor cousin Connected. of where Riverdale <laughs> or Sabrina, the teenage witch is at the moment. Like it is. Yeah. The, the market that they're trying to, I think push this towards in that sort of, you know, teenish market just doesn't work for me. Like, you got to lean in and embrace the horror and just make this thing real spooky and real eerie. But instead, they they have a lot of like high school drama, like that whole plot where it's focusing in 2022, mm. where these where these daughters are 14 year old and they're focusing on the the throes of moving to a new town and high school drama and fitting in and all that kind of shit. It's like this isn't Resident Evil. This isn't what Resident <laughs> Evil is about. Like I know we all go through that, but like get it off my damn screen. Give me more. Albert Wesker and stars and origin story stuff instead of this nonsense. And I, and I like that they took a shot to try and make something different, but it missed for me in a very, very, very big way. And yeah, eight hours, it, uh, it was not like I was happy when the credits rolled and I'm like, thank God I can go back to watching anything else. Question before we move on from this, what would you prefer to watch that series again for the whole eight hours or the is it eight movies that they've made? The I think Resident it is Evil. eight movies. Oh, eight the eight Resident Evil movies. Although it would technically take longer. Yeah, that that's a tough question. I think I'd probably lean more towards. Or could I watch the the Welcome to Raccoon City movie just like eight times in a row? No, I just, if I could I, do I, that, I I'd take that. No. But otherwise, I'll take the Mila Jovovich movies over this. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I like the Mila. I like I like some yeah. of them. No, I don't like all of them. I like two of them. <laughs> I but it was comments. just, it was a rough watch. Like, yeah, I for for people new to the franchise, they might enjoy it because there is no touchstones attached to it. But because I'm so familiar with these characters in the world, yeah, and just to see it interpreted this way, it was just it was just not a good time for me and. <laughs> It, it made me very sad. My heart is still a bit sore from this. And yeah, we're probably going to get a second season potentially and Maybe. it's going to be equally as bad. Yeah. If they've already paid for it, then yeah, yes, I guess so. 
Yeah, but Lance Reddick, I love you. You can do no wrong. I appreciate how committed you were to the bit, but sadly, the bit was bad. What? 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 I also have been watching um, really quickly. Started watching For All Mankind this week. Uh huh. So this is this is a show on uh, on streaming on you know Apple TV Plus. It's it's focusing on the space race from the sixties onwards, but oh. in this sort of I guess alternate history. The, the, the Russians were the first crew to land on the moon instead of the Americans. So it sort of uh, takes a lot of truth and actual um, storylines from the 60s and beyond, but changes it as in the Russians got there first and American, America are playing second fiddle. What can they do to then sort of get above Russia and get that feel-good story? So there's a lot of focus on repeated um, visits to the moon, setting up settlements on the moon, dealing with the drama of all that so so there's some realism mixed with some fantasy and and some hypotheticals as to what would have what would this have been like if yeah uh, the soviet union landed there first and it's really really well done like it's cool to see the fact meddling in with the fiction as far as just changing that whole moon landing scenario mm-hmm. the acting is great uh the the writing is really good the the sort of the focus and just sort of showcasing like this thing set in the in the 60s that time capsule is really really well done mm. and sort of weaving in broader issues that were happening in America and around the world at that time as well it's it's really good watch like there's three there's three seasons out at the moment 26 episodes and it's really really good science fiction some good drama great writing the special effects in season one is great for the most part, but you can see because I guess it was a bit of a, a, a dart throw as far yeah. as will this show become anything. The budget was a little less, mm-hmm. but moving into season two now and seeing what's happened from there is, is really, really cool. And yeah, it's been it's been a pleasant, pleasant viewing experience. Definitely in stark contrast to Resident Evil, that's for sure. Yeah. And I really, really recommend For All Mankind, anyone that likes science fiction or loves space mm, or just likes a good race. drama yeah. this this checks all those boxes and it's really really cool to check out and i've been really enjoying my time with that this week i'm just looking at the cast and seeing screenshots from the from the show and i'm i'm kind of like thrown by seeing old uh, rick flag from the suicide yeah joel kinnaman's there yeah but he's he's, he's looking he's looking <laughs> He's looking like a dad. If like, it's not trying to say that they're negative or anything, but he's just looking a little bit more wholesome, I guess, than uh, from what I'm used to in the Suicide Squad. But it's just kind of interesting, actually. Like, uh, like I guess, like a good chunk of us, like we were all taught about the space race in primary school. Mm. Um, so this might actually be a little bit more, little interesting to kind of like see from a different perspective. Yeah, it's cool, and and I think it's just it's fun how they weave in those real historical truths with mm-hmm. just a, a that alternate reality that, you know, what if America what weren't if, there? Yeah. What happens? And it's it's really, really interesting to watch. And it's great. And it's grounded, even though it is set in space and it is a alternate history type of telling, there is a lot of actual historical fact that they're weaving into it as well. So it's kind of cool because you're learning at the same time, but also I just love good science fiction and this has been really enjoyable. I'm, I'm about halfway through season two at the moment of it. And yeah, um, yeah I, I definitely, definitely recommend checking that out. Yeah, I might have to. All right. I'm going to quickly, quickly throw in a, an impromptu segment here and I'm just going to go to weeb or not to weeb, Miss Hart. And oh, I'm going go. to 
going to throw this one at you. The synopsis reads as follows. Mm-hmm. It's love at first sight for Fudo and Decimi, except it was during a battle of life and death. Fudo, leader of the hero squad Gelato 5, and Decimi, the death queen of the evil society Gecko, have found themselves caught in a forbidden love. And it's their first relationship. Moving in secrecy, they live holding hands with one weapon in the other finding out what's truly fair in love and war. So that's the synopsis for love after world domination. Are you in or are you out on love after world domination? Was that like, what was this, Queen Death against the Gelato Troop? Is that what like? <laughs> yeah. So, so Decimi is known as, uh, yeah. So she's the, the death queen of the evil society. They're known as Gecko. Mm-hmm. So, so picture, picture like the evil side of like, Power Rangers, yeah. that's Gecko, and then the Gelato Five are the Power Rangers. Like there's there's a red, a yellow, a pink, a blue, and a green. Okay, so a bad guy fell in love. Well, a, a bad team. bad girl fell in love with a good with a guy. good guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Kind of sounds a little cute. Kind of is it? I guess based on the title alone. Based on the title alone, I don't know if I would dive into it. I just need to know if it's more on the comedy side, not on the lovey dovey side. Yeah, like there's some lovey dovey, but it's more on the comedy side. Like it's it's fun, it's quirky. Like they're they're kicking each other's ass in between, like loving each other and trying to put up this front that you know they're they're the good guys and they're the evil guys, and you know they can never coexist. It's it's just really more heartfelt Romeo stuff. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's a fairly new manga, and this is a this is an anime that only aired in the last couple of months. The season finale just dropped about two weeks ago. And it's one of my favorite new things that I've discovered in 2022. So I love after world domination, cute as shit. The characters are great. Am I potentially in love with Decimi, the death queen? Yeah, I'd I'd say I probably am. But uh, yeah, check out love after world domination on Crunchyroll. Got the sub, got the dub there too, depending on your flavor. And um, yeah, 12 episodes, really funny, really heartfelt and um, really well written. So yeah. I'm in. I'm, I'm gonna. In? I'm gonna watch a trailer. I. You've got okay. me. You've. You've. You've won me over enough for me to go watch a trailer. So, I think that's a win nice. for you. <laughs> yeah. That is a win. I'll. I'll take them where I can get them. So, uh, I'll mark that as a W. All right. Uh, a little quick bit of housekeeping. Obviously, if you want to support us monetarily, you can do so over at ko-fi.com forward slash we are eight bit. Or if you want to get some merchandise. Shop8bit.net is the place to go. You've still got a few more days to get your entry in to win yourself an ATH GL3 gaming headset, courtesy of our friends over at Audio Technica. To enter, all you got to do is send us a screenshot of you leaving a rating for THG or any of the other 8-bit related podcasts you're listening to on Spotify or Apple Podcasts to go in the draw. So we will announce the winner of that one next week on episode 293 of THG. So we've still got a few days to get that review in. Send us a screenshot at WeAre8Bit or on the email hello at 8bit.net. But listeners, let's jump into this. This week's news headlines. All right, and the first bit of news, after a long wait, Halo fans can finally try out Halo Infinite's campaign in co-op with the game's new beta. Earlier this week, the official Halo Twitter account announced the beta's launch, saying you can squad up with your friends to take on the Banished together on Zeta Halo. As we learned a couple of weeks back, the beta includes Halo Infinite's entire campaign, and the beta is available to all Xbox Game Pass subscribers and anyone that owns Halo Infinite. To try it out, you'll also need to join the Xbox Insider program. So this is cool. It's uh, only nine months late. (laughs) 
eight months late, mm. but better late than never, right? Uh, beta late than never. Um, why is this a beta? <laughs> <laughs> why is this a beta? <laughs> um, yeah, it's I, weird. It is a little weird. Um, I've never, like... Like, obviously, I have no basis of understanding how games are made, etc. Um, I just didn't expect to get a beta of co-op story, co-op campaign. I kind of thought that they'd just be like, okay, now it's done. It's There you go. So them having to initiate a beta version of it was kind of, I don't know, kind of caught me off guard. I think um, they're just using that beta word just to uh, probably less than any blowback if there is a bit bunk a bit buggy and a bit mm. broken at launch I like guess. if they said it's out now and it's a bit janky the internet will be up in arms as uh, as we've seen the halo community has been very vocal as far as the multiplayer and the the season passes and the lack of com- uh, campaign co-op so chucking a beta in front just gives them that little extra buffer to go you know what we're still working on it we're gonna <laughs> fix those bugs and patch this in and it'll be happy days but yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to this because, yeah, I'm, I want to play through this campaign with the crew. I want to roll out there together and kill all the grunts and everything else and uh, have a good time on uh, Zeta Halo. Yeah. So I I don't know if I'm going to try it in beta version because I want to have a good experience. Um, mm. I don't know if I give it just a little bit more time maybe. I don't know. I'll let you know. I'm going to try and jump in in the next week or so and I'll report, report back, back to let yeah. you know if it's broken or if it's good. All right, the uh, the next bit of news, which all, could also be related to being broken or good, who knows? Uh, Servios, they're partnering up with 20th Century Games to develop a new single-player action horror VR game set in the Aliens universe. We're a little bit scared already, Miss Hart. We're big fans of that franchise mm-hmm. and we may have another game that could be potentially broken, but uh, according to a description posted on the studio's website this week, the game is being developed for PC, consoles, and VR. It will use Unreal Engine 5 for its graphics, creating an immersive world where players can be part of an original storyline that takes place between the Alien and Aliens films, in which a quote reads as follows, a battle-hardened veteran has a vendetta against the Xenomorphs, end quote. So, more Alien stuff, awesome. First-person, oh, single-player action horror game. Awesome. I'm envisioning if they're going to tie this to VR, it will be first person. Yeah. If this could be Alien Isolation with a little bit more action, let's go. Oh. But if this is going to be a game that is built predominantly for VR and then they just give you a non-VR option, I think it's going to be a little weak. But I'm interested. What say you? Did they ever make Alien Isolation into a VR port? Let me see. I'm very curious I don't know. because, like, I kind of feel like you might have been able to. I once again don't know how games are made. There, there is a VR mod. Okay, there's a oh, VR mod. mod that you can play, oh, okay. and apparently it'd be scary as heck. Okay, that, well, I was going to say I would only assume that it would have been terrifying. People that just played, you know, as is on console or PC, I, I know they found it quite terrifying to play so i could only imagine being in vr and having that tail come and stabbing right at you um i i i'm looking forward to this if they're using the new unreal engine uh we've already seen a lot of uh content come out where uh, studios have exclusively used that engine and graphically things have looked phenomenal um, once again, it's always risky when we see our Alien or Predator uh, franchise kind of thrown into the mix of something made. We're always a bit 
skeptical, unfortunately, because we have seen mm-hmm. some duds. Um, so fingers crossed. Let's hope for the best. <laughs> That's it. I'm I'm gonna go into this like I'm not going to yeah throw Servios right into the trash when we haven't even seen a single screenshot or or slice of gameplay. They're primarily a VR-focused dev, Mm -hmm. so I'm curious as to how in-depth the experience will be if they are trying to release this on PC and console without VR mechanics. Uh, Some of the games they're notable for creating is The Walking Dead Onslaught, okay, Creed Rise to Glory, and Puzzle Bobble 3D Vacation Odyssey. So they haven't got any, I guess, big AAA games uh, under their belt. They've played with big AAA franchises, but in a VR environment, okay. Just give me a great in-depth full experience. And if they're going to wedge this between Alien and Aliens, I'm curious to see what they do and how they tell this story. Let me puzzle bubble those aliens. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But... It's it's because this franchise is so beloved. They're going to keep churning these games out until you know we're not even on this earth anymore. Like so, I'm happy they keep going back to this. Well, they just need to execute because they miss more than they hit with these yeah. alien games. That's for sure. Um, the next bit of news: we uh, had a little bit of a pop up this week, and Kirby has a second game coming out in 2022, and it's giving the internet major Fall Guys vibes. Mm. On this past Tuesday slash Wednesday, Nintendo quietly announced Kirby's Dream Buffet, a multiplayer game where you race friends around delicious hazards. The Switch eShop exclusive is due out in the next couple of months. If the Pink Puffs open-world style post-apocalyptic adventure Kirby and the Forgotten Lands hit too close to home in the current climate, Kirby's Dream Buffet appears to be a welcome return to the character's simpler roots. Players, uh, players roll along food theme stages in four rounds of frantic multiplayer fun. The more food Kirby eats, the bigger he gets, eventually bumping competitors off the stage. Players also get access to copy food abilities where they gobble up each new morsel, adding more sugar-coated powers to their arsenal. Ah, uh, this looked pretty quirky and fun. Like, I think we're both, like, neither of us are, like, big Kirby purists. No. You'd say, like, I haven't played much Kirby over the years. But this looks like it's fun and, and I guess they're going to try and leverage off the success that is Fall Guys. Yeah. Uh, the fact that this is a paid game could potentially hinder it a little bit, competing directly with Fall Guys that just went free to play. But it looks like it could be interesting. I'll have a, have a couple of games of uh, Kirby's Dream Buffet. What say you? Probably not, because as you stated, <laughs> there is a perfectly good free game done by the team Fall Guys. Um, and... I enjoy that. I have fun with that. And it seems a little bit more diverse in game modes. Um, These obviously have to kind of fall more strict to a food-based puzzle kind of element or course, like kind of established like food-based courses. So um, I don't know how unique they're going to be or how many courses there will be. Oh, that's actually good wordplay, I realize Mm, now. Great Um, wordplay. So... Yeah, I, I, I don't intend to play it. I'm not a Kirby purist, as we kind of established. I only assume dedicated Nintendo fans or Kirby fans will probably sign up to play it. Yeah, it's, it's a very curious, like you said, it just kind of just appeared. I was like, here you go. Mm, just popped up. And, I, and I'm with you, like, it's, it's going to come down to, one, the price point of yeah. this game, and two, 
if that price point is too hefty, maybe the player base will not be there. And because this is a live game where multiplayer is the key ingredient in this buffet, it might fall on its sword very quickly because if there ain't no live players and you're just playing against bots, what's the fun in that? So uh, we'll see what happens with Kirby's Dream Buffet later this year. But uh, the trailer was cute. Anyone that loves Kirby probably was was loving this trailer and uh, what it could be and come and uh, what it could become in a few months' time. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, the next bit of news: we just can't escape this game at the moment. Uh, Skate Four, we're talking about. It's now officially just called Skate. <laughs> so, alongside Full Circle revealing that Skate Four is now officially known as Skate Only, the studio also confirmed that it will be free to play on PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. Furthermore, it will also have cross-play and cross-progression support. News was shared via Full Circle's The Boardroom update, and the team confirmed that Skate will take place in San Vansterdam, which is a sister city of sorts to Skate and Skate 2's San Vanalona. It's also explained... It also explained why it chose to go with the name Skate as opposed to Skate 4, saying that this is not a sequel, reboot, or remake but a new platform that will be built upon for years to come. This means fans shouldn't expect a Skate 5 or Skate 10, but should instead look forward to a skateboarding game that will continue to evolve for a very long time. As they put it, it is Skate, period. <laughs> right. <laughs> Full Circle explained a bit more about the free-to-play model Skate will implement, saying the team laid down hard ground rules when designing how it will look in regards to microtransactions. The four rules they shared are as follows. No pay to win, no map areas locked behind a paywall, no paid loot boxes, no paid gameplay advantages. So Skate 4 has become Skate. It is now going to be free to play with cross-play and cross-progression across PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. We still don't know of a date as to when Skate is coming out. But knowing that it's free to play and it's cross play and there's cross progression, there's some positive checkboxes there. Like that is that is some good pro consumer moves. But I still, I still can't um, get excited for this game, Miss Hart. What say you? Like free to play has me more inclined to play it. That's a hundred percent certain. Because um, then I have no investment or no concern if it is actually bad or I don't enjoy it or I don't play it long enough justified to pay for it but you when games become free to play the skepticism on how the game gets funded then starts creeping in now they've established these rule sets which then tells me like when someone kind of defines rule sets that to me when a person defines rules it's the it's everything that's in between that's not being said that you kind of have to focus on um but i mean they said no pay to win uh, you know, no paid loot boxes and such, which is usually the, the key things most people kind of look at when a free-to-play game is put out there. So I assume it's purely going to be cosmetic. Um, they're going to depend their funding on um, players buying skate decks and um, outfits. Shoes and, and yeah. yeah, the whole kit and caboodle. Yeah, so I I guess that's that's how it's going to go, which seems a little risky to me. I don't know why. Like maybe maybe I'm really underestimating the skate fan base here, but I don't know. It's just it it seems like quite the risk. It it's a big risk, and 
Because, yeah, the, the human hours and the money that would be going into this game already, and, and it's very ambitious where they're talking that this is this is going to become like a like a skate destiny, I guess, in a way, where this game will just evolve and continue to, to live and see different iterations and additions for years to come. And to do that without an int- introductory price point and just hope that enough players are going to stick around to want to buy that cool birdhouse skate deck or that cool toy machine shirt or... Um, ADO shoes, if ADO is still a brand, let's say America shoes or Globe or something. Mm. I don't know. I don't know what skate shoes are these days, but it's a lot of risk and it's a lot of faith they're putting in the to the players to to jump on board and support this thing because exactly. this game could come and go very quick if those uh, microtransactions aren't there to begin with because uh, these live games, those servers and the data centers that they need to, to fund to keep these games up, they not be cheap. No. So uh, it's it's a big old risk by full circle. But uh, yeah, Skate 4, now Skate, free-to-play, cross-play, cross-progression. They're all cool positive check marks. But um, yeah, we'll see more when this game comes out. Insert year here, <laughs> next year, 2024. I don't know. Like there's still nothing. Yeah. Like, remember the, the stuff that we saw previously uh, when they they did that whole show of like behind the curtain stuff, I think we reported mm-hmm. about it maybe a month ago, and I'm glad to see that they're doing these little boardroom like um, kind of features now, which which is good. But yeah, we we have we don't have a lot to go on still, so. Yeah, we don't have much to go on there, but um, in similar uh, skate based discussion we're gonna kick over to excuse me we're gonna kick over to the the rival i guess you could say to skate or skate for we're gonna be talking about tony hawk and regrettably tony hawk has announced a partnership with blockchain slash metaverse slash virtual world game the sandbox so they're going to be adding skating based areas and pixely versions of tony hawk you can buy as nfts if you're confused, just imagine Tony Hawk skating around in Minecraft. So that that's sort of the look and the aesthetic that uh, the sandbox is. And Tony Hawk says, what's up, guys? It's Tony Hawk, and we're building the biggest skate park in the metaverse. Uh, the skater says in the video, you have never seen skating like this. I'll see you in the sandbox. So what is the sandbox, I hear you ask? The sandbox is a community-driven platform where creators can monetize voxel assets and gaming experiences on the blockchain that means events in its minecraft-esque world like its forthcoming web3 land sale where users can buy land on its map along with nfts of voxel assets as much a money grab as it is a land grab so uh tony hawk he's uh confirmed obviously that uh the remake of tony hawk pro skater 3 and 4 has been uh trashed or thrown by the wayside so he's instead said how else can i make some money let's jump into the metaverse let's jump into blockchain and nfts and uh here we are this uh who are this uh the internet's not happy about it there was a lot of uh negative press getting thrown tony hawk's way for for going this this route and trying to do a bit of a cash grab there but uh what do you think, Miss Hart? Are you going to jump into the sandbox and have a skate with Tony Hawk and his pixel friends? No, this looks rough. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, like, like this game looks like an indie title, like, like, 
like like it was like a, a very bare bare bones kind of like established kind of game um which like is no discredit to like indie titles but when you know tony hawk has like had one of his most major um gaming like titles like under his name essentially scrubbed and then with only a few weeks later to say look at this i'm looking at this kind of like builder mode where you can build a skate park and it's for some reason the interface really reminds me of um the the blender kind of interface the 3d uh, kind yep, of, yeah yeah no, that's fair so um and then just the whole connection to nfts obviously and everything that kind of is attached to that as well like there's a lot of people out there that you know are pretty internet um savvy and kind of understand what happens when you kind of throw certain words out into the universe and they know exactly what's attached to them tony hawk isn't isn't disconnected from the internet he's very prevalent in the social media space and he seems to know what he's doing there unless he's got a really good pr person that's good at convincing people otherwise so he had to have known or understood exactly what this connection could have had an impact on his i guess you know his social status i guess i don't know but either way like i i'm not signing up to this 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 doesn't look like anything that I would be interested in, and I, I have no idea how how well it's going to do, considering the already backlash it's been getting. So yeah, it's it's crazy niche. Like it's it's not accessible for 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 every gamer and people that I guess tread both sides of the line as far as if they're all in on the metaverse and NFTs and maybe they're. <laughs> they're skateboard fans this could be the game for them who knows but mm. it feels like this game was made at like one of those game jams where it's like you've got six hours to throw together a game and then you, sh- you show it at the end of the day type of thing like it's 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 certainly got a an aesthetic that feels a little rushed and yeah it's a vibe like the whole um pixely voxel sort of assets and stuff like that but yeah this does not check any box for me and it's like one of these moments where you're like, Tony Hawk, what are you doing? It's not as if you don't have enough money already. Like this dude is a multi-millionaire and he's he's done a lot of that off his own back and his own skills and I admire that. But it's uh, it's it's a bad, bad decision, uh, which is going to yeah be a bit of a black mark on him. This reminds me of the, the Troy Baker voice line NFT thing that mm, he jumped in and yeah. pushed really hard, like completely different models. Don't get me wrong, but like similar situation with like, bro, let's check this out. You can work with me and get more Troy Baker or more Tony Hawk in this world. And then the internet goes, you know what? Fuck you guys. This is disgusting. We don't want any part of this. So I'm very curious to see if, if we'll see a Tony Hawk uh, backpedal in the coming months off the blowback, but I doubt it. I think he's in and the sandbox is where they're going to be pulling all the cool tail grabs and <laughs> indie nose bones and everything else for, for years to come. And then you can buy unique assets, unique birdhouse skateboards and things that are probably going to cost like 0.1 of an Ethereum. Who knows? But it's uh, it's a hell of a time. It's, a, it's, it's so weird that I'm getting like Habbo Hotel vibes from it. Like, I don't know how to explain That's it. Fair. Like, I'm getting like very like weird kind of internet y social space vibes from it. So, yeah, no, that's that's the thing. I get you there. I'm with you. But, uh, yeah, I don't think the internet's with Tony Hawk on this one. No, uh, not, not all many of them people anyway. are, uh, yeah, not many people are about, uh, excited about Tony Hawk, uh, skating around in the sandbox, but we'll see. Any, any further updates or anything of note that we discover on this over the coming weeks and months, we'll, uh, we'll relay, relay it here on the pod. And the last bit of news 
The PlayStation, uh, so Sony has announced PlayStation Stars, a new customer loyalty program which will launch later this year. Access, of, access is open to all PlayStation owners with additional benefits for PlayStation Plus subscribers. If you're familiar with the Xbox Microsoft reward scheme, well, this is a rough equivalent with a couple of intriguing differences. Mm-hmm. PlayStation owners will acquire reward points by logging on and completing certain activities, which can then be redeemed for PSN wallet funds and other PlayStation Store products. If you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber, you'll also earn loyalty points on purchases made by the PlayStation Store. Certain activities will also reward you with digital collectibles, which Sony describes as digital representations of things that PlayStation fans enjoy, including figurines of beloved and iconic characters from games and other forms of entertainment, as well as cherished devices that tap into Sony's history of innovation. It sounds like points will be relatively easy to obtain with a monthly check-in that will grant you a dollar per point simply for playing a game each month. More involved challenges will reward you for winning tournaments, earning specific PlayStation trophies, or even being the first player to platinum a blockbuster title in your local time zone. And for those worried about those digital collectibles ever being tradable, Sony has already ruled this out. It's definitely not NFTs, definitely not. You can't trade them or sell them. It is not leveraging any blockchain technologies and definitely not NFTs. PlayStation's Grace Chen has confirmed to the Washington Post this week. So this is cool. Uh, you know, it's it's nice to nice to see Sony making another pro consumer move here, and you're already playing the game. You're already in that ecosystem. So if they can give back to you these little points that then can equate to discounts or games or unique little digital collectibles, it'll keep people coming around because as we talk about a lot on this podcast and a lot of gamers we know, they love chasing those platinums and if they can then chase that platinum to then get a unique collectible that only a few people might have because they've got the platinum nice little bit of status a little bit of brag for the uh virtual wall there but what do you think about the playstation stars loyalty program miss hart i don't know i i haven't really deep dived onto this all i know is that i saw two comparisons and um there was obviously a side of people that were saying it was nfts like sony got into nfts um, regardless of what they're saying, that this is totally not an NFT. And then there was another side that's kind of said that it's good to reward players um, on playing things, like achievements mean more, etc. Um, I was kind of thinking about when previously when you bought things, I'm pretty certain, or bought things in the Nintendo eStore, you would get those kind of coins. Yeah, or those did, coins. If you did achievements and such, you could earn those little coins. And I, mm-hmm. I, it's been a long time since I've actually looked at what those coins do apart from putting certain ones into a purchase. Um, but there was a stage where you could buy physical items, right? In the Nintendo store, you could actually buy like little Yeah, like plushies cases, and things like yeah, that. Little yeah, little bags and stuff. And I, I didn't mind that. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, a pretty cool way to kind of like reward yourself. Obviously, it's Nintendo products. So it's, you know, you're buying stuff for more stuff, et cetera. But any kind of like reward and connection into you know spending time and dedication towards a title is better than playing a title and getting completely nothing for it exactly like like you're going to be playing the game anyway but if you can get some rewards or some in in in-store credit that you can put towards buying more games at a cheaper price it's going to keep you around so it's smart like it's 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 very smart on Sony's behalf where they're like, yeah, you're playing it anyway. Here's, here's some credit. And, and the ratio 
with like Microsoft as well is, is you get these credits and you know, the, it's not like a one-to-one where one, one credit equals $1 off the pay price. Like it's almost like a hundred to one, I think is the, the Xbox ratio as far as the, the points you can accrue from, from their respective version of the PlayStation stars loyalty program. But it's awesome because if you're in that ecosystem and they're acknowledging the time and the money you're putting into that ecosystem and giving you things back, whether you see value in it or not. I think it's, I think it's nice. It's, it's, I've said it, I think three or four times now, but it's a pro consumer move and I'm, I'm all for those, for those moves. And yeah, I like that. They were very hard stance straight away that it's not NFTs. Like we, we just talked about Tony Hawk going yeah. into the sandbox and doing all this dumb stuff where Sony's like, no, 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 this is what we're doing. It's not that, don't ever besmirch us with with the the name of NFT getting thrown over the top. Like, yeah, do not connect those two things together. So, uh, yeah, it's cool. I can, it's cool. Yeah, like I, I can see where it could be a positive. I'd really like to start seeing things where it's like, you know, I completed, I, I platinumed God of War and all I got was this T-shirt, you know, like. Oh, I, that's perfect. So I, I can see some positives on this. Yeah, I remember... Um, I don't think they do it much anymore, but remember like on Xbox, obviously with your, your living avatar, you can make. Yeah. And then if you played certain games, you'd get like Unlock a, little... a Gears of War piece of armor yeah. or a Mass Effect helmet and stuff. So it was unique to, to your avatar, which was really cool. And that's that's what makes me think of the, the potential here with these these um things that you're going to be obtaining from the PlayStation Stars. Yeah. Pro. Obviously your, your avatar in PlayStation is just a static graphic, but... Maybe you'll get unique images or, or little borders that'll pop up on that to give you a little bit more prestige, it's a little my bit more face. allure. Mine's my That's face. my face. It's my face. I think mine's just um, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man from Ghostbusters. I think Is that's it? my avatar on um, on PlayStation. But anyway, if I could get him with a cool, funky gold crown because I did something else, giddy yeah. up, let's go. All right, but that brings us to the end of uh, the new section of THG. Sadly, you're going to be waiting a little while there for, for Skate, the uh, the free-to-play, cross-play, cross-progression game. But if you don't want to wait that long for things to do this week, we got you covered. New releases and events. As far as new content dropping this coming week, uh, we have an episode of the 8 Cast, oh, which nice. uh, myself, Jono, and Benny recorded this past week. So that will be in your ear holes, available now so uh if you're listening to thg 292 right now obviously you would be otherwise you wouldn't hear this next point but yeah the 8-bit cast is available there so check out 8-bit cast on your podcast player of choice and give that a listen as far as new tv and movies dropping this week uh we've got jurassic world camp cretaceous the fifth season of that dropping on netflix uh, this week coming and as far as movies finally here for us Australian viewers the black phone making its way to cinemas as well as where the crawdads sing which is getting some some positive spin it's uh getting it's well weird. reviewed it does look very interesting I'm curious about it I will watch it it's based uh, on a it's book intriguing yeah. based on a book that uh sold millions of copies mm. I don't know anything about the, the story but uh from what I saw in the trailer it looked interesting as far as games coming this week, apologies. I did say Stray, I think, was coming out last week. I said Maybe I said it was coming out soon to play. So maybe I sort of used a bit of wordsmithery there to avoid 
being completely incorrect. But yeah, Stray's coming out this week on PlayStation and PC. Bright Memory Infinite is out this week. Coromon on Switch and Live Alive on Switch as well. So uh, a nice assortment of games there. A couple of good movies to check out. Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous, if you're interested in some animated Jurassic Park fun. I watched a few episodes of season one, didn't really hook me, so I haven't gone back, but a lot of other people that like it. Obviously, yeah, 8-Bit Cast is there as well, but Miss Hart... (coughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) Anything you want to shout out or mention before we close the studio down for another week? Yeah, I don't know how many people are actually interested in this kind of games. It's kind of a weird niche one for me specifically, but I just wanted to point out, because not a lot of people know about this title, probably didn't see, but a game called Way of the Hunter got announced, and it looks very similar to Hunter Call of the Wild. It's a hunting game, right? Like, it's a game where you go out hunting in the the wilderness. It's it's lots of fun. Anyway, announcement trailer came out, and it says that the release is going to be August 16th this year on PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X and S. So... If anyone is into that sort of stuff, there was a trailer that dropped. So Way of the Hunter, check it out. I'm already on board for it. So if anyone wants to go hunting, let me know. <laughs> if it is, uh, if it's taking a, a leaf out of the the skate book and making a like cross play, I think that would be awesome uh, true, because yeah. I'd love to play this with you guys because. Remember, it would have been maybe two years ago now where because there's such a big um, open world multiplayer aspect to this game where you can jump in and hunt together or just share this universe together. It's really, really fun. So, yeah, I'm keen to jump. It's kind of a bit horrible when I say it's really fun shooting animals, but like... It's, it's it's an enjoyable game and the world's really that. well thought out and yeah, pretty. Yeah, like I couldn't like yeah, it does sound really freaking horrible and I'm gonna make it sound worse because it was really relaxing. Like, like <laughs> <laughs> Da piggy da <laughs> uh, Take that Donald Duck. Um but it was, it was really relaxing and I spent hours like a day playing that game and I'll just be like on my little, you know, four by four just like driving around and oh I can I found, you know, warthog warthog tracks or bear tracks or you know like duck poop and like (laughs) there's poop you track poop in this game um and like yeah and you just like you you wander off and then you end up here and yeah playing multiplayer was like so much fun with you guys you'd just be in weird different areas on the map it would be on discord chatting about stuff and then one of us will shout oh there's a bunch of animals it was fun it was fun it was relaxing it was very down to earth so Anyone that's yeah. maybe been interested in that sort of title, there is still um, The Hunter Called the Wild. I, I think it's still a good, great game. I only played it the other day. but It's on Game Pass too. Yeah, so um, you can check that out and then obviously check out the trailer for this one, which is Way of the Hunter. Nice, nice. Yeah, and it's coming out next month. So, uh, yeah, I'm very curious to see if, if it's going to be either one on Game Pass or two cross play because yeah it would be nice to get a get a hunting party together and, and go out there and, and live our best lives out in the wilderness but happy nation that brings us to the official end of episode 292 of thg thanks each and every one of you for stopping on by be sure to rate review subscribe us and every other podcast you listen to on the regular because it helps keep the emotional lights on in our hearts check out audiotechnica.com to get the best in audio based equipment But Miss Hart, I guess it's time to get on out of here. Mm -hmm. Much love. And stay hungry.
You've been listening to The Hungry Gamers, one of many gaming and geek culture-related podcasts from the 8-Bit Collective over on 8bit.net. Check out more episodes on your podcast service of choice. And while you're there, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry. Thank you.